It is time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app. Hi, everybody. Tanner Hoops with you in Studio WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. We're joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Jake, as always, a pleasure. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, man. It's always fun. Yeah, it's always, you just come in here, you shoot the breeze, you've got sports to talk about, it's, I like it, you know, and I'm I'm always glad to have guys like you here. Right, it's a great time of year, we're going to have, you know, a lot of variety on the show today, so I'm just uh, looking forward to diving in and and really talking about some pretty interesting topics today, a lot of turmoil, a lot of argumentative stuff, so it's going to be fun. You said it, I mean, you you look at what we have, and I always like to say that we have a packed show, today we really, really have a packed show, Uh, you look at everything that's going on in the sports landscape over the last few days from jimmy butler odell beckham uh league championship series start tomorrow stanley cup final rematch last night uh hockey starting this weekend for northern for a lot of the big 10 teams you've got uh big 10 hoops to talk about there's just plenty going on it's a packed show and i mean we jump right into it with probably the headline of the sporting world jimmy butler and the whole saga that's surrounding him over in minnesota so in case you've been living under a rock and you missed it here for the last 24 hours or so jimmy butler the minnesota timberwolves forward has stated his desire to be traded this has all come out here in the last couple of weeks yesterday he came to practice after saying that he wanted to be traded by the start of the season initially wasn't going to practice decided he was going to play now he decides he wants to practice He comes there, berates his teammates, his coaches, his front office, and he gets an interview with Rachel Nichols of ESPN. That was a pre-scheduled interview, by the way. They knew that was going to happen on the day he just happens to come back to practice, blow up at his teammates, and demand that he be traded. So now everybody's talking about Jimmy and the Timberwolves. He gets all this publicity, and I'll just come out and say it, Jake. I don't think his desire is to be traded. I really don't. I think his desire is to be in the limelight. He might. I don't think he cares where he plays next year. He might not mind a trade. I think he'd be fine with it. I also think he'd truly be fine with playing in Minnesota. I don't think he cares where he plays next year. He wants money, and he wants attention. Yeah, you know, I think when it first came out that he wanted to be traded, I just feel like Jimmy is a guy that runs strictly on emotion, obviously, with what he did uh, yesterday. I think... um, him kind of demanding a trade or, or his camp demanding a trade and then it not happening. Um, I think the love for basketball kind of took over. So he said, hey, you know, I got to get back on the court. I'm going crazy. Let me go back and, and try to practice with these guys. And I think it was just kind of a buildup of, of emotion. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who was probably walking into that building, you know, ready, a ticking time bomb, uh, really to just go in there and, and kind of, you know, let let his, you know, teammates, his coaches and everyone know, you know, where he's at right now. Um, you know, with that interview, I kind of, I kind of left that, or that interview, you know, watching that interview, just thinking, you know, I kind of liked what he was saying in that interview. Um, there's a lot of young guys on that team, a lot of guys that don't really know how to win. A lot of guys that, you know, may not share the same passion as Jimmy, um, Jimmy does. And, and if you guys didn't hear what happened, he went into practice, practice with all the third stringers and beat, beat the first string starters <laughs> with all the third stringers. And then, you know, was saying bleep this, bleep that, you need me and, and things like that. And I mean, that's just passion. That's passion. And I guess if Jimmy's there, you got to respect that passion. And he, and he said, you know, he's just trying to keep it real. He's one of those guys that he's, you know, he's going to say what's on his mind. And there was no, none of his teammates came up to tell him, tell him different. No one stepped up and said, you're doing the wrong thing right now. Chill out. And no one said anything. Um, you know, I think you need a guy like that on the team. And I think in the long run, when it comes down to, you know, some close games and some intense moments, you need a guy like Jimmy Butler on your squad. Um, I, I think that's why Minnesota didn't want to trade him because he's that emotional guy that they need. Um, yeah, he might leave, leave next year. Who knows? But right now, I think it's best for both him and the team to just kind of stick where they're at and try to work this thing out. I think in the long run, it's going to be a lesson to the young guys. And I think uh, it's going to kind of light a fire under this team who who has potential. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the roster. Over the last couple of years, I've been saying, you know, watch out for Minnesota. Watch out for Minnesota. This is a team, you know, obviously they're out west. But, I mean, they have talent from top to bottom. That superstars on that team. I just don't see why they've kind of been underachieving lately. And I think it's just the mental the mental issue, the mental game. And I think Jimmy's just trying to straighten that out right now. And, and it doesn't help that he, he let people know how he felt. And... For the most part, I want a guy like that on my team. So I, when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, this guy's just really trying to push himself out out of Minnesota. But 
Um, after hearing his interview and things like that, I kind of just felt like, okay, he kind of taught the young guys a little bit. You know, he, he kind of told his love for basketball, and now he's ready to just move on and, and get this going and, and get back on the court and do what he does best, and that's play. I don't think he's leaving Minnesota. I really don't. And I don't no. think his desire is to leave Minnesota. If he can get out of it, I think he'll take it if he can go play somewhere else. But that's not his end goal in this. I mean, the Timberwolves were bounced in the first round of the playoffs last April. Where has this been, this I want to be traded whole thing this whole summer? Uh, you know, it's not. It's a publicity thing. There is no accident in the sense that he had a pre-scheduled interview with Rachel Nichols coming that same day. That's the day he comes back to practice and melts down in front of his team, his coaching staff, and the front office. He went up to Minnesota Timberwolves GM Scott Layden, and he said, quote, You bleeping need me. You can't win without me. And... Got the point across, you know. There's but it's true some truth to what he's saying. That's I mean, their chances significantly lower without mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler on the court. He's that do it all guy, that guy that you know plays defense. He can score um, at points, and you know he's one of those guys that I won't say he's a superstar in the mm-hmm. league. You know, there's levels to it, but he's a star. I mean, he's a star player. You need him. Yeah, and this news broke so quickly from the time that practice let out to the time he had his interview with Rachel Nichols, and I'm trying to figure out. Who is the leak? Because you know none of the players are going to be the ones who put themselves out there to say Jimmy did this at practice or got out there, especially the the bottom-tier guys that Jimmy uh, ran the table with on the starters. They're not going to put themselves out there. You know Thibodeau doesn't want this kind of attention. The front office, I wouldn't imagine, wants it either. So how did Woj get this kind of information? Jimmy and his, his team, they leaked it to him. This definitely, was scheduled. Uh, yeah, like I said, man, I think someone in his camp, you know, his surrounding guys uh, knew what they were doing, and why not go to Woj, the guy mm-hmm. who breaks all the news and has all the all the connects, and and everyone listens to him. Why not just send him a a, a quick text or a, I, don't, I don't know if they use email, but you know, maybe a phone call. Who knows? And just mm-hmm. say this is how he's feeling. Um, better watch out because he's coming to practice and it's it's going to be a show. So maybe he did do that. But I agree with you. There has to be some truth behind. It's kind of a stage thing, and I think it's it's a stage thing to obviously bring some attention to Minnesota. And I think it's just going to be a lesson for these young guys in the long run, like I said. It was totally orchestrated, and it was beautifully done in that sense by Jimmy Butler. Because, again, I think he wants to stay with the Timberwolves, and he realizes they have talent there. But it reminds me so much of what happened with Odell Beckham earlier this week. And we'll get into that itself later on, but I wonder if Jimmy learn something from Odell. He kind of took a page from the Odell playbook. He said, being the nice guy, we have not gotten the success that we've wanted, even though we have talent there. Odell went out and he ruffled some feathers, but the Giants definitely played better on Sunday with what they did. Maybe Jimmy thinks if he can put on the bad guy mask, become the villain, maybe this helps inspire the team because doing it the right way, if that's what you want to call it, like the Timberwolves have done for the last how many years, has not worked. They made it back to the playoffs this year, but still didn't win a series. Maybe this is what Jimmy's trying to do. And I tell you what, deep down, I think Tom Thibodeau loves it. I think he loves this. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It brings us a certain edge. They got a lot of good guys. A lot of good guys on the team. A lot of guys that, you know, won't want to stick their head in and in, in fight. And I think, you know, that's what Tom Thibodeau is trying to always, you know, hammer home. You know, that's the type of coach Tom Thibodeau is. In your face, get up, pressure. And that's probably why there's been so much friction between the team and him. Um, but I think when you're playing in that Western Conference, when you have these teams, uh, really talented teams, and you're going to be on a grind every night, you're, you you got to bring, you know, that 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 edge, that defensive fortitude, that that you know, gut fi- fire in your gut type of feel. So um, I think, yeah, I do think it's a good thing, and. Um, yeah, it's perfect timing. I mean, we're about to hit the regular season. It's it's the drama that's the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 so insane. This league is so dramatic. It's a soap opera. Mm-hmm. You know, with all these teams, there's underlying stories and you know players with personalities and and things like that. You know, there's never a dull moment in the NBA when you're talking off season, during the season, and things like that. So, um, you know, this is just going to be one of many just crazy stories because the NBA right now is just insane. Mm-hmm. You got guys moving. You know, things like that. Um, guys wanting to get paid, you know, maybe one of the best teams or the best team we've seen just reigning in the NBA with Golden State, um, up and coming teams like Boston and LeBron's in LA, you know, Philly's there. I, it's just a great, it's a great time. Only if the Pistons could kind of slide in there and get a little mm-hmm. better, I'd, I'd actually really like the NBA right now. I think the Pistons will be a playoff team. I do. I think they'll they might get in I, as a seven or eight seed. I was thinking maybe eight. Mm-hmm. I think they have talent, and you, for, I forget mm-hmm. that. And because, Dwayne Casey. 
That's yeah, Dwayne Casey. Great hire. Forget about Dwayne Casey coming in. I think he'll take them to the next level. Not anything crazy, right? You know, but they'll I think be better. they'll be better. They'll be more efficient. Um, I think they'll score some more points, and and I think they'll be better for sure. Back to the Jimmy Butler saga. You know who else I would say say it is safe to say who loves this is Adam Silver because the NBA needs something right now. Uh, to keep its fans engaged. Like, everybody knows Golden State is going to be raising another banner here about a year from now. They are going to win the title this year. We've known that for the past, what, three, four years, that it was going to be a Golden State-Cleveland final. That's not good for the NBA in itself. So the NBA needs stories like this. They need compelling things that don't necessarily relate to sports fans. Anybody you don't have to like sports. Anybody can get behind a story like this because it's interesting. It's unusual. It grabs your attention. A uh, guy going off on his teammates, it's like something that comes out of a movie. You know, the NBA season, we know who's going to be champs at the end of it, and the season doesn't even tip off for about another week. This is good for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yep, you need those underlying stories. You need the guys like Dwayne Wade coming back and things like that. And, and you know, it's to the point now where, the stories are getting made from social media comments and stuff like that. Any little thing that you can pick apart these players for, you know, the NBA is trying to, you know, put a spotlight on it and make a story out of it. I mean, it, you're right. Let's be honest with you. What are the chances Golden State wins again? Mm-hmm. Really well. I, and you know what's funny? The other day I was sitting around just watching SportsCenter, and I totally forgot they got to Marcus Cousins. <laughs> I was like, wait, I, oh, my goodness. I was like, I was trying to kind of think maybe someone will knock them off this year. And then, I mean, if DeMarcus Cousins comes back with mm-hmm. with even just half of himself, I mean, that team's just ridiculous. So, definitely, I would love to see Boston, mm-hmm. and I'd love to see LeBron with the Lakers mm-hmm. in the finals. I think that would be the best. Ky- Kyrie, LeBron, Celtics, Lakers, I mean, come on. Well, personally, I love it when the Celtics and Lakers are both good. And I'm a Celtics fan, and I, I did not like it the last few years where the Lakers have been terrible because the NBA is better when the Celtics-Lakers rivalry is better. That's my opinion. I might be biased in that sense, but I love that 2008-2009 era when you, those two were in the finals. They were the mainstay. I'd love for it to get back to that, but you've still got Golden State to deal with here in the next few years. Uh, quickly, before we go to break, we did get our first chance at seeing LeBron and Lonzo as teammates last night. I know it was preseason, but they got to play the Warriors. Be a lot more fun if that was regular season. I can't wait for games like that. Mm-hmm. But LeBron really is buying into Lonzo. I mean, he's a guy that's bringing him along, kind of taking him under his wing. I'm excited to see those two as teammates. Definitely, and LeBron's been known to do that. Uh, he's take you know he takes special interest in in players. Lonzo was is definitely one of them. I know Deontay Murray from San Antonio is another guy he kind of brought under his wing. Um, you got Ben Simmons, who he calls the prince. He's the mm-hmm. king. You know, he does. You know, I think that's what's different between LeBron. And, and say like Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan stuck to himself, you know, he didn't really, you know, vibe with the younger guys, but LeBron's kind of there as not the father figure, but kind of like the OG type of guy mm-hmm. that the players can look up to, you know, players feel like open to talking to LeBron and things like that. Now, many players might not like to play with him because he's so demanding and, and you know, you need to be on, on it playing with LeBron, but Lonzo definitely one of those guys that right from the jump when he knew he was going to LA, you know, got on board with and I think it's good because um, if Lonzo can reach any sort of potential that made him the number two pick I mean he's going to be very vital to what they need to maybe knock off the team like Golden State because of what he brings to the table he has a special passing talent he has special vision Um, shots really ugly you know but no one's made perfect as it goes in no one's made perfect so you know he could really be a facilitator and really help LeBron LeBron won't have to facilitate as much um, as he's getting older, and, and maybe he can get LeBron some easy buckets and get this thing moving. So, um, and, and it's a confidence thing, you know, with Lonzo. You know, LeBron's behind you. I think that will that should give you as much confidence as you, as you need to to kind of move on and take that next step. So, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. I, LeBron's a really good passer too. So them out on the floor, kind of being the floor generals and things like that. I think it's gonna be nice. Kuzma's gonna be open for shots. You know, Ingram's there as that long wing that can do it all and things like that. So. Uh, this Laker team, I think, is going to be really, really entertaining to watch this year. You know, mm-hmm. L.A. Throw LeBron and Rondo, and, and then uh, Caldwell Pope, Lance Stevenson. Lance I mean, Stevenson it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, Showtime basically mm-hmm. back, back to Showtime, and it's just personalities. I think that's another thing they did. They got players, but they got personalities. I, I know Magic Johnson has a, a, a evil genius plan he's putting together, so I think it's working. Last thing before we go to break, uh, tell me over or under? Do the Lakers get to fifty-five wins this year? I'm going to say 
I'm going to say under. Under? Slightly okay. under. I'm slightly, slightly under. Yeah. What are you thinking about? 50, yeah. 53, somewhere 50, around 53. there? I think it's still early. I think mm-hmm. I think it may be in a year or two we'll talk about okay. them being more of a potential challenger. As Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. We owe you our first time out. We take it now and we'll come back. Uh, we'll preview Thursday night football this evening. If the Giants lose, what does that mean for Odell's credibility in the locker room? That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only available at Jibway Casinos in Barriga and Marquette. We're joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. The Sports Pen on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday night football coming up, and I always love the concept of Thursday night football. I know people haven't liked it because of the quality of games maybe the last few years. I always thought that's a great segue. Get into Friday, it feels like the weekend. You finish Thursday, it basically feels like the week's over because you got football to look forward to, then uh, and the weekend's there, and you get to start it all over again. So I love Thursday night football, and I love tonight's matchup, the Giants and the Eagles. NFC battle between two teams who desperately need a win. Eagles could realistically drop their third straight game. They have already lost their top running back, which opens the door for Le'Veon Bell if they want to go that route. Uh, but the Giants need this win a lot worse than Philadelphia does. There's going to be a lot of emotion that's going to be put into both teams uh, from this game tonight. I'm just excited to see it. I don't feel confident in the Giants, but Philadelphia without a running back, no Sproles, no uh, Ajayi, Smallwood, Clement, how well can they step up? Yeah, I mean, um, you kind of wonder if Philly's doing that or feeling that Super Bowl hangover a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, just trying to figure things out. Obviously, Wentz is coming back, still needs to work his way in. I still do think they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So um, even with those guys out, you never know. I was hearing they might try to go after LaShawn McCoy. I don't Mm -hmm. know the the numbers game there, if it would even work. But that would be good for for me when you talk about fantasy. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it is going to be interesting to see. I, I do like this Giants team. Um, I just see Philly's defensive line just kind of having a, a, a field day, you know, with with Eli. I think mm-hmm. that the, the thing is they can't protect Eli. No. Eli, obviously, he's slower than molasses. He can't run. Um, so, you know, they're going to pin their ears back and, and make Eli kind of kind of do his thing. Interesting this, you know, Giants have a lot of young guys. You talk about Beckham, talk about Barkley and guys like that. Um, Sterling Shepard is a guy that I really like, who I think is underrated as a receiver. So um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of talent on the field. It's a rivalry game, like you said. Both teams desperately need a win. I think the Giants needed a little bit more, especially with what's what's been going on with their locker room and mm-hmm. and things surrounding their team. But I'm definitely interested to see this game. I didn't like Thursday night football when it first began, just mm-hmm. because it was really bad. It was, you know. It but was I bad. think this year and even last year, it's starting mm-hmm. to get a lot better. I think teams are starting to kind of figure things out mm-hmm. and ways to just you know be better prepared for these games. But I mean, we we've seen some some really good Thursday night games. I think uh, highlighted by that Minnesota LA mm-hmm. game a couple Lightning's weeks ago. Rams, even the Jets and Browns turned out to be a really entertaining one because the Browns won. Yeah. It broke that losing streak. Yep. You know, we, we'll get to the turmoil in the locker room, but I want to touch on one other thing. You said the Giants, their young talent. I throw Evan Ingram when he's healthy in there, too. There's a lot to like about him. He just can't seem to stay healthy is the issue for him. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that when everyone, when that season, was it was it last season? When, yeah, mm-hmm. last season when everything just went downhill. Mm-hmm. Odell was injured. Everyone was injured. Um, and Evan Ingram came up and he he stepped up and he was he was a main target. He had a really big year and he's one of those receiver type of tight ends. You know he can really run, really catch the ball. So he's just another option for Eli. It's just Eli does not have the time mm-hmm. to you know drop back, sit back there, and figure things out. And I think that's the main issue. People Offensive are lines bad. You know it's been bad. Mm-hmm. In each year they just. They don't want to work towards, you know, making that better. I just don't get it when you have a, such a glaring issue. Mm-hmm. And it's the main reason why your team's not good. Mm-hmm. You look at the roster, it's like you got talent, a lot of talent on this team. Mm-hmm. And then they had that defense a couple years ago. They signed a couple guys. You're like, yeah. this is a Super Bowl team. And then they just totally didn't play up to a potential. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think, 
you know, I want to, I, I, I kind of root for the Giants here and there, mm-hmm. but I think Philly is going to win this one. I, I, I think they're going to win it just because I don't think they can protect Eli. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, I just think Philly just has, has more talent. Well, and I agree with you about they don't seem to want to make changes to the offensive line. I thought there were some really good top 10 draft picks this year, Mike McGlinchey being one of them, a guy that would have been excellent on the offensive line. Instead, they go with a running back, and, you know, it's hard not to like Saquon. I like Saquon. I think that was a great pickup nonetheless, though I think they had some capable running backs, and it won't end up mattering who's back there anyway if you can't protect anybody. You can't protect uh, who's running the ball, who's throwing the ball, what have you. The Giants, in that sense, you look back at their draft and you wonder if they could do anything differently. I like the pickup that they got with Saquon over than a quarterback. I know there was a lot of pressure to do that. We talked about that on the show yesterday. But the Giants are a team that wants to win right now. And if they would have gone out and got somebody like Sam Darnold, he would have played this year behind Eli Manning. You know, they would have wasted a first-round pick to not win now basically, because you're not benching Eli. You're going to give him the veterans' respect. You're going to try to do what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. So in that sense, I like how the Giants drafted, but you're right. Another year, and they've done nothing to bolster the offensive line, and Eric Flowers, a former top-ten pick, let go this week because he was just flat-out bad. He was bad. He was really bad. He was one of those you know, higher-end picks with the line. And I mean, they've tried to draft offensive linemen. They've just missed a lot, you know. Uh, another offensive lineman, Greg Robinson. Some of the times these guys just don't work out, uh, who was a second overall pick out of Auburn years back. But, um, yeah, I mean, I understand. I was one of the guys who was saying the Giants should should maybe get a quarterback now. Mm-hmm. Say they want to win now, they're not winning now. I mean, it, it's just the you know it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they, they looked at, at next year's draft and was like, maybe we could pick somebody up next year and just try to roll with, with Eli one more year. But um, the more and more they're losing – you know, the more and more Odell speaking up in the media, um, fans want Eli out now. You know, he's brought him two Super Bowls, and they're just doing him doing him dirty, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not his fault. It's this O line. And you know, when a team when you don't want to fix what's broken, what do you expect? And um, it's going to be their Achilles heel all, all year. And and I just don't see them winning many games again. Mm-hmm. I know they they play Carolina close, but I just don't see it. Well, they're 1-4 and four entering play tonight. They do get Olivia Vernon back, the heart and soul of that defense, so he's playing tonight. If you think about it, well, and, and again, I don't th- care who's being the quarterback. I still think Eli's got at least two cable seasons left in him if you protect him. If you get an offensive line that can protect him, they don't have that right now. That's why uh, they may not be going back to the postseason while Eli's still in the league. I think he's capable of leading a team there. I just don't think it'll happen anymore. Say they did draft Sam Darnold over Saquon Barkley. Would the Giants be better than 1-4 and four right now, in your opinion? They would probably be right at 1-4, mm-hmm. similar. But they would have a plan going forward mm-hmm. at quarterback because what's going to happen? They're going to have to get a guy in there. I don't know if he's on the team right now who's going to mm-hmm. be the predecessor to Eli. And they're going to go again, go through year, a few years where – they might not be that good. Mm-hmm. Do you think Odell wants to sit around his whole career and just wait for things to, oh, no. to shape up? No. No, no, no. He's one of those guys that's going to say, get me out of here, mm-hmm. um, similar to a Le'Veon or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I just think the sooner you, you deal with that issue, a guy under center, the better. Mm-hmm. It just makes no sense to me. You're not going to draft offensive linemen, and you have literally maybe the slowest quarterback. there. I can walk backwards faster than Eli can run. Like, let's be honest. So you're talking about – Oh, we have Eli back there. Let's not protect him. That you're you're asking for it just makes mm-hmm. no sense. You're just going to get him just beat up, and and he's just going to wither away to, to the end of his career. I don't know what's going to happen. Now. I mean, and he can still throw the ball. He can throw I mean, when he, he can make he that fourth quarter comeback was vintage Eli. On yeah, Sunday. he still has a little juice left, but he needs to have his feet under him, and mm-hmm. he needs to not be me- you know mentally shook and, and mm-hmm. getting knocked on it on his back end. You know what I mean? So until the Giants fix the offensive line, they're not going to get any better. Doesn't nope. matter if they draft Darnold or Barkley or who they pick up. Nope. Because honestly, you know, Barkley has been really good as yes. a rookie, mm-hmm. potential rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. He's been everything they need him to be. But you're one dimension offense right now, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard. It's hard to think about that when you have a superstar receiver like Odell and a, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Ingram and and Sterling Shepard. But these guys aren't getting the ball. I don't. I don't know. Does Odell have a touchdown yet this year? He I got get, one. He got his first last week, and he, he threw, threw one. for one as well. He threw one, yeah. but that's not that's not his standards. No. You know, you have a guy like that. You need to get him. You need to get him the ball more. What he's 
fourth in the league overall in receiving yards entering this week, yeah. and he's only got one touchdown. Julio Jones is in the top five I, list, I was too. about to say, <laughs> we were talking about Julio Jones. Now, that is insane. I have him on one of my fantasy teams. I'm just like, wait, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. It seems like he they, maybe they triple-team him in the red zone. I, I would, but, yeah, I mean, you need to get him involved more. You need Odell's mm-hmm. – you know, he's, he's a fragile mind. Yeah. You know, he, he needs to be involved. He needs to feel like he's a part of it. And, you know, if he doesn't get involved early, then he kind of just does his own thing. It's, 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 it's just who he is. You got to just re- recognize it. I don't know if he's ever going to change. He's saying he's trying to grow. Mm-hmm. He's trying to mature and things like that. But I, I don't know. Well, let's talk about that because the whole Odell Beckham fallout coming from Sunday is Pat Shermer, head coach, is furious. He's demanding that OBJ apologize to the team and what have you. Uh, he's insinuating that there's no leadership in the locker room. Uh, that they need a change at quarterback. You know, Eli, I give him a ton of credit because he's won two Super Bowls. He's kind of taken this thing lightly. You know, he's... Uh, you know, he's not buying into it too much. He, what was that comment he made that he doesn't listen to Little Wayne when asked about Odell's comments or whatever? And Beckham is a guy that I feel that they have respect for each other with Odell and Eli. But Odell is trying to stir the pot a little bit. He's doing somewhat of what Jimmy Butler did. And I think he laid the foundation for what Jimmy Butler did. And Odell realize that what they've done the last few years where they buy into the leadership and everything that's going on right now the Giants what were three and 13 last year being the nice guy's not working so Odell's trying to stir it up a little bit and initially I hated it because Eli was my favorite player growing up he was the reason I became a Giants fan and I never liked hearing him criticize especially after what he's done for the franchise but is Odell totally wrong is I, I mean he's there's some truth to what he's saying, and some people might not like the way he says it, but the Giants definitely played better on Sunday. They were a more motivated group. If they don't win this week, though, and Odell was contributing, make no mistake, but what does that do for his credibility? Where do they see him as a leader? And I don't think he is a leader, truly, deep down. I don't think he's mature enough to be a leader. I mean, he's, like you said it perfectly earlier, he's a fragile mind. He's not mature enough to be a leader of this team. But you still need to be credible among your guys. And at the very least, if he doesn't perform, even if the Giants don't win another game the rest of the year, somebody's out. Whether it's Eli, it's Odell, or it's Pat Shermer, whoever, this Giants team is going to get a whole new look coming into next season. Yeah. When I say he's a fragile mind, what I'm really kind of insinuating is he's very emotional. And I don't think he he knows how to, you know, he doesn't know how to cap his emotion Mm -hmm. and he'll let it kind of run wild a little bit and that's not what leaders do you know leaders in time of turmoil are able to kind of get everyone refocused and and focus at the task at hand which is to win games when eli won those those championships uh you know those two super bowls he wasn't the leader of the team eli's a quiet guy he just goes about his business they had a defense that was yeah, and Michael, and Michael Strahan, Strahan Justin Tuck, those are those were the guys that were in the locker room leading mm-hmm. um you look at their roster right now Obviously, Eli not being a leader. I don't think um, Odell is looked at as a leader by no. his peers just because, you know, he's just kind of that prima donna type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Saquon's t- trying to take it on right But he now. still kind of has he's a quiet young, demeanor himself. Thing, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, on that defense, Landon, Landon Collins, uh, a guy that I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a defensive guy. I like defensive players. Uh, you think maybe he would step up and be a leader, mm-hmm. but he's kind of like a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you can hear it when he speaks. You know, you don't have that, that guy that's that alpha guy that guys are going to be like all right let's listen to this guy um i just don't see it and it's a young team you're not going to get it out of sterling shepherd you know you're not going to get out of ingram that o-line's trash no one's going to be listening to the o-line um so who who's leading this team and, and let, that's what, exactly what you said um you know they don't really have that leader i think what's going to happen is is eli is going to be the one to go. I, I don't want to say he's going to be the one to go, but there's just, there's just got to be a time when he's the next life. You know what I mean? And yeah. you, he's got to know. Mm-hmm. He's got to know that his time his time's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, man. It, it what Odell did. I like what he was trying to get across. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he did it the right way. No. And no. I think his whole career, he's kind of been like that. He mm-hmm. means well at heart, mm-hmm. but it's the way he handles it and he does. He just things. wants to win. You know, he's he, a competitor, and sometimes he doesn't take into consideration the consequences mm-hmm. of his actions, whether that's right or wrong. That's just who he is. Right. He, yeah. He doesn't see it when it's happening. 
Um, but I like you said, I do like what he's trying to do. I don't know if I like the way he did it with mm. Little Wayne coming up, op- you know, open to the public and like things like that. I think there's just better ways to go about things to get your point across. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be just having like a sit down with your team and things like that. Um, I get where he wants to, where he's coming from, you know, and things like that. But it just didn't seem it didn't seem authentic to me in a way. It kind of seemed like kind of I don't know. It was just too. Too glorified to, for me. Little Jimmy Butler esque. Little Jimmy Butler esque, and uh, I just don't know if right now they need it. Obviously, it did help, but um, you know, is that going to sustain? Is that motivation going to be sustainable? I don't know. Well, tonight the NFL landscape and how the NFL views Odell Beckham is going to be very much shaped, whether for better or for worse. If they win tonight, or at least play well, like they did on Sunday, people look at Odell and say, "Well, maybe he's motivating the team." If they get blown out and his words meant nothing. He's looked at as a total jerk. I mean, the whole face of how people view Odell Beckham, it's going to be shifted tonight, how they do on Thursday night football. Yeah, I mean, it, it, your play's got to speak for itself. If he goes out there, has a couple touchdowns, mm-hmm. makes a couple big plays, and they get the win, everything could shift. You're talking about going from potentially, what, 1-5 to 2-4? Two and, two two, and, two and, and that know, division's still that wide division open. That division wide open. I don't think there's a winning record in that division, mm-hmm. so they're not completely out of it. So huge game, huge huge uh you know test for the team and it's a very important game for the team when you talk talk about the giants it's it's definitely a game that they need to win you know and if like i said if they go out there win obj has a big game i think it could really turn the season around you look at who could be a leader for this team and i i think olivia vernon being back will be huge because he can be a leader for this team uh you look at you know like you said landon collins Eli Apple, they've had their own internal struggles. A guy like Damon Harris, another guy that they look to, and he's not interested in taking on a leadership role. In fact, Sunday he questioned whether the Giants have leadership at all, and I feel bad for Pat Shermer because he wanted an NFL head coaching job. You know, he had one with Cleveland, but it was Cleveland. So now he gets a shot after a great year in Minnesota. He gets to come be the head coach in the New York Giants, and he has all these tools to work with. He's put in a situation where he... I don't believe has any locker room credibility right now because everybody there has been there longer than him. You know, I think Saquon might have more locker room credibility than him. And I think Pat Shermer's a great coach and a great play caller, but I don't think his voice means anything in that Giants locker room right now. Right, and, you know, when you talk about new head coaches coming in, winning solves everything. Mm-hmm. And when you're not winning on the field, that's when players start to question, you know, the system or, you know, is he doing the right thing and things like that. But... Um, you don't want to lose your <laughs> lose the locker room. Obviously, that's the worst thing that can happen. Um, and and I mean, the question for him is what what can he do to to get things back on track? You know, now you're yelling at your star receiver, um, you know, calling him out, and then in the media and things like that. I don't know if that's the greatest thing to do, especially in the New York media. Um, so this, this is another soap opera that we're just gonna have to wait to see. Um, I I think it's still early. I think Shermer obviously still you know, young in this position mm-hmm. um, as head coach. So I, I think he's a good fit here. Yeah, it's I just it's just the roster coming together. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's not going to be a year fix. This, mm-hmm. this is a little bit more than a year fix. I know a couple of years ago we thought it was a Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. but I think there's a there's a lot of holes that need to be fixed and, and a lot of relationships that need to kind of be mended before this team takes that next step. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take another time out. We'll come back. We have more coming up here on the Sports Pen. This is ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only available at Ojibwe Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. We've covered plenty going through the NFL, the NBA here in the early going. Let's go to hockey for a little bit. Cup final rematch last night in D.C. Washington Capitals winning 5-2. Better game than the score would indicate, though. Had a chance to watch most of that. And I tell you what, Washington doesn't look like they have any kind of a cup hangover. Ovechkin looks better than he did last year. He's a guy that's, I think, hungrier even to, uh, you know, he's still got, he's still in Crosby's shadow, even though he got that ring. That was the what he was chasing for a long time. Now he wants to get out of Crosby's uh, shadow. They've got the role players around him. Uh, TJ Oshie's had a really nice start to the season. Evgeny Kuznetsov has off to his probably best start in his career. He was a guy that I think was disappointing a couple of years ago. 
There were a lot of people, including myself, thought he could get 90 points. Didn't come close to that. Last year, pretty good season, especially in the playoffs. This year, he's off to a great start. Washington looks like a really, really scary team going forward. I mean, what are the chances they can uh, repeat? I think they're pretty good mm-hmm. um, based on what you what you see early on in the season. I think I think it, for Ovechkin, that pressure to win that, that title was so, you know, probably weighed on him so much that now that it's finally off of his back, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. now there's really no pressure. So I think he's pl- playing a lot free, you know, mentally, just playing freer, uh, more free, I should say. And, you know, it, there's not that pressure to where, you know, we need to get this title or we need to be in the playoffs. I think a lot of that team is playing kind of free-spirited right now. They're, they're Stanley Cup champions. Um, they're confident. Now they have the talent. You talk about the role players. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Sorry, I, I might say his name wrong. Kuznets. Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov. Definitely looking like a stud. Maybe one of the best players in the NHL right now. You mm-hmm. pair him up with Ovechkin and you say like Yoshi and guys like that. I mean, they have... They have a pretty, pretty talented team. I mean, mm-hmm. who, who out there can kind of match up with that, with the speed and, and things like that? But it, it just looked like an extension from, from the Stanley Cup Finals from a year ago. I mean, it came out, you know, Washington playing great and, and, and getting the best of the Golden Knights. But um, in my eyes, they're definitely a team that's going to be pretty scary come playoff time again. Well, in Vegas, to their on their point, they aren't coming out with the same fire they were last year. Last season, they were the darlings. They were the Cinderella's. You know, they had the tragedy in Vegas right before the season started. They honored them. Uh, that was kind of their motivator early on. And people started taking them seriously. Like, this could be a legit playoff team in their first year. They go all the way to the cup final. They bolster themselves by getting guys like Paul Stasny and Max Pacioretty. And they just don't have the same fire that they did last year. What, they're 1-3 and three now to open up 2018? I mean, they played well last night. They cut it to a one-goal deficit twice and nearly three times. But a video review... Uh, wave the goal off so they just don't have the fire that they did last year and the personnel hasn't changed terribly much so I don't know what it is about Vegas or what have you but if anything they seem to have more of a Stanley Cup final hangover than Washington does yeah they were kind of living in this dream season state of mind you know obviously their inaugural season and like you said just the buzz that came around it I think they were kind of that was their fuel Mm -hmm. that's kind of what drove them they're like you know, this is our first season. We're doing uh, really well. Nobody really expected this, and and everyone's behind us. I think that kind of pushed them to play kind of above and beyond what maybe they their roster kind of was all about. So now you have another. So you lose in the finals, a huge disappointment. Now you come back this year, and like you said, that playing that whole season on that type of adrenaline and and being the talk of the NHL and things like that. Now you kind of get dropped back to earth, and reality kind of hits you. You are a new franchise. You know. Uh, like I said, they still have a lot of the same guys, but, you know, it's just, like you said, it's kind of like a hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're just not there. You know, you kind of have that grogginess, um, and they they got to figure figure it out, and you're not a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not catching teams off guard. you you, you got a target on your back, the, this old saying in sports, and it's going to be a lot harder to, to find that same success. So they got to figure it out, and, and, you know, the hunters are turning the hunted now, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and Washington doesn't seem to have dropped off a bit despite having a coaching change. Barry Trotz took the New York Islanders job. They promoted Todd Reardon. They took something for somebody from inside the organization. Todd Reardon was essentially the defensive coordinator last year. He was an assistant coach who primarily worked with the team's defense. So he knows the system. And that allows Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Oshie, those guys to run the same system they've, uh, they've been taught, they're accustomed to, that they won a cup with. Reardon didn't have to teach him anything else. They didn't have to learn anything else where it takes them maybe a third of the season to try and get. They were just able to step right back into what they did. Uh, what are they, 2-0-1 with an overtime loss to Pittsburgh, that being the only blemish this year? Washington's a team that I didn't think would win the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to repeat. And now they're giving us reason to think they would. Um, let's see, three games this year. They scored seven against Boston. Uh, six against Pittsburgh, five last night against Vegas. Offense is not a problem for them. Defense has been great. Goaltending, you know what you're getting out of Holtby. It's great. They even played uh, back-to-back in that uh, their first two games. They were back-to-back with Boston and Pittsburgh. Goaltending's awesome for them. I want to see when they match up with Toronto because the top two goal scorers, scorers this year are Toronto Maple Leafs. And Austin Matthews looks like he might be the real deal for an MVP and Toronto has a realistic shot of making a deep run the postseason. 
So digressing a little away from Washington, I like what Todd Rudin's done. And he's taken the foundation Barry Trotz has left, and he's continuing to run with it. Right. I mean, very smart by the uh, Washington Capitals uh, management to not go out and try to bring somebody into something that, that's kind of already set in stone. Um, just bring a guy that, that was there for the run that kind of knows how things work and, and make it easy on the players. The last thing you want to do is bring someone in that's going to try to switch things up or, or do it their own way and, and try to put his own print on, on a team that, that just won the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it, it's you know smart they went in-house to obviously get their coach. And, and um, yeah, it just doesn't seem like this team has any weaknesses. Now you have kind of a defensive mind as your head coach, so he kind of can help there. Obviously, you know, they're scoring goals, mm-hmm. more goals than, than a lot of teams. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Holtby can kind of, you know, take on all those shots that Toronto's going to throw at them. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a gauge, you know, where this team is at. I think this team is obviously one of the best teams in the NHL right mm-hmm. now. So, you know, I just think as long as they stay healthy, kind of stick to what they're doing, I don't see any reason why they can't they can't repeat. And Washington trying to continue to do their thing. You look at some of the other teams that are maybe just trying to find themselves right now. I like this article that came out the other day, and it lists uh, Vegas's odds for top NHL coaches on the hot seat. You look up and down this list, and the top one on the list surprised me a little bit initially, though the more I thought about it, the less it surprised me. Todd McClellan from the Edmonton Oilers is right now the hottest seat of he's sitting on the hottest seat of any NHL coach according to Las Vegas and for good reason I think uh, Edmonton's not been a bad team the last few years but they have underperformed they failed to make the playoffs with Connor McDavid a guy who a lot of people consider uh, to be the best player in hockey I, I know there are people who still think it's Crosby including myself but there's a group of people that like the young man McDavid and what he's got and he certainly is a uh, very worthy candidate to be one of the best players in hockey. But he's good enough. They should be making the playoffs. You know, if he really is that good, if he is the best player in hockey, you surround him with capable talent. Not great, but capable. They should be at least making the postseason. And they're not under Todd McClellan. I think that's the biggest reason why his seat's so hot right now. Yeah, like you said, anytime you have expectations and you're not living up to it, that's going to obviously bring bring the seat, uh, you know, put a fire under the seat you know some of these guys on the list obviously they're just with bad teams that need to be you know that just are going to take a while to build up but when you have maybe a roster and players that that should compete it's it's not good um you know mcclellan missed the playoffs twice in three years with mcdavid mm-hmm. and early on in the season it's not looking luck looking too good so mm-hmm. um definitely i could see why he's on the list um there's some interesting names on the list jeff blashill yeah um Fourth highest odds. Fourth highest odds. Yeah. I, I just don't see that how that's even fair, considering the Red Wings roster and what he kind of had to work with. So some of these guys, I mean, I could see Mike Babcock is on the list. Mike what, Babcock what is up with that? surprises me. That one surprises me a lot. A six, sixty-six to one. Why, like, why is he? There's no way. Why well, especially with what he's got to work with this year. You look at that Maple Leaf roster. I don't know about their goaltending or their defense, but the offense is just scary. You look at them, and they've got the top, uh, top. Let's see, two of the top five in goals scored. Actually, the top two in goals scored this year. Austin Matthews was seven. Uh, John Tavares was six. And they've got three of the top four point getters in hockey this season with uh, Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner up there uh, right behind Matthews. So they are a legit offensive team. If Babcock doesn't win with them, you can attribute some of that to the goaltending, the defense. But that might be the reason why he doesn't stay. In uh, in Toronto beyond this season, yeah, uh, Guy Boucher over in Ottawa. I mean, they're just a mess right now. They need to start winning some games right now if he wants to keep his job. Uh, Joel Quenneville from Chicago. He's third highest on that list. For me, it's harder to to see him go mm-hmm. because of what he's done for the franchise. But hockey, especially, it's a very much what have you done for me lately business. They can't afford to miss the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean. He has quite the resume, obviously, with the with the, the Blackhawks there, but they're coming off their first non-playoff season in almost a decade, and they haven't advanced beyond the first round in the, in the last three years. I mean, we're talking about a team with, with the talent and the, the success that they've had. Um, you know, all that winning goes mm-hmm. out the window real fast in sports. Um, 
when you start losing it, especially when you're talking about four four years in, mm-hmm. um, you know you're you're, you're going to be questioned: is, is it still working? Do your players are your players still kind of uh, responding the same way and things like that? Um, you know, have you lost it? Who knows? But definitely, what guy that, that, that it would be interesting to see, um, especially when when you talk about how successful he's been with uh, there. Well, Nate, they absolutely have to keep Corey Crawford healthy because that has been the struggle for them the last few years. That defensive core, they've tried keeping the same one together, and they're not getting any younger. I mean, Duncan Keith might be on the downhill slide. I, I don't know if it's too early to say that or not, but he doesn't look like he's getting much better. He's certainly not getting younger. And the same with Brent Seabrook. I mean, there's just that Chicago core that they've tried keeping together over the years. They're just getting older. Yeah, and I mean that's what happens. You know, you, you got to be able to replace replace players and things like that. But um, talk about it, comparing it to like San Antonio, that team that you know had that core for so many years, one one one, and and they just started getting older. And you know, teams started coming up and and and, and beating them a little bit more. So um, you got to be able to replace talent. You can't be afraid to you know uh, get rid of guys. Um, and, and keep the keep the line moving. And uh, right now, they're just trying to stick with some some of the same guys in the same equation, and and it's just not it's not working out for them. So, um, like you said, it, it's come down to a lot of goaltending and defense and things like that. And they just got to figure it out. And and if they don't, maybe we'll see him him actually not be in Chicago anymore. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take our last break. We'll come back. We'll talk about. The Big Ten hoop season that's coming up. We'll preview the league championship series, Major League Baseball, all that and more coming up in the Sports Pen, ESPN UP, the ESPN UP mobile app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Bay Day is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only available at Ojibwe Casino in Beria and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Durant of CBS Marquette. Well, we've covered plenty here in the opening minutes. How about uh, we finish things off? We look at the League Championship Series and Major League Baseball. Brewers-Dodgers tomorrow night. I know what... You know, the odds say Dodgers have the more talented roster, and I think they probably do just by a bit. Mm-hmm. Brewers have the edge in the bullpen. Dodgers, I think, offensively and starting pitching. But I'm going with the Brewers to win this series. They're just playing too well right now. They have too much swagger. They believe in themselves right now. I'm picking them to meet up with Houston. You know, on paper, you can definitely you know compare teams and things like that, but like you just said right there, you got to look at just how the team's playing. You got to look at the momentum. You got to look at the energy. Sports is all about um, a mentality and things like that. And, and, you know, I just feel like the hotter team is the Milwaukee Brewers, the way they've been able to just kind of breeze through their last series, um, you know, sweep and, and get a chance to kind of prepare. Um, I, I'm, I have to agree with you. I jumped on this bandwagon. I'm not going to lie. I jumped Same. on this bandwagon. I did too. Listen, I don't really have a baseball team that I cheer for. You know, I kind of, obviously we cover the Tigers mm-hmm. and then, um, we cover a lot of the Wisconsin team, so Milwaukee is a team. Um, but I just see, like you said, they they have a the the strength in the bullpen. I think they have a, a lot of depth in the batting order, um, and I think if they can jump out a little bit early on the on the the, the, the it's all going to come down to obviously Milwaukee's pitching. Um, you know what I mean, and, and things like that. But uh, I kind of just see I see Milwaukee winning a close one. I think this is going to go down to the final game, and maybe Milwaukee winning winning it you know close i would and, love to see that well the thing is milwaukee's starting pitching might be the worst out of the four remaining i i think it definitely is the worst out of the four remaining teams and they've worked around that they've gotten guys like brandon woodruff to go out there and start out a game give him a couple of innings and they just figure things out you know from there they they don't rely on the open opener starter they use it intermittently and they use it very well in that sense and i don't like the opener uh strategy but Craig Council does a great job with it. I just see the Brewers, you know, they believe in themselves right now. And I just frankly think they want it more than the Dodgers do. I do, too. I do, too. I think, um, like I said, this was years in the making. I, I just like the players they kind of have. I like the dynamic of, of what they have. They, they seem to be very balanced. Um, and like you said, the, the pitching obviously isn't the best, but they get it done. You know, and that's what you got to do. You got to do whatever it takes to get it done. Um and and I just think I I have to agree with you. I just think that it's the Brewers' time. I think this is it. Do I think they're going to win a World Series? I don't know. But my my I'm thinking more and more as I'm just watching this team. 
you know, maybe they, maybe this is their year. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked to a lot of people who say they don't stand a chance against the Dodgers. There's no way, but I'm, I'm just going to be a believer, man. I'm going to jump on it, and I'm going to say they, they take it. How about in the ALCS? Uh, we'll go back to the divisional series. Yankees, the whole reason they brought in Giancarlo Stan was for reasons like he came up with in the ninth inning of game four, struck out on four pitches. To me, that is a waste of a season for the Yankees. I know they won over 100 games. Having Giancarlo or not, they wouldn't have finished any better or worse in the standings. He just didn't come through with the reason, with the exact time that they brought him there for. He didn't the exact come moment. Mm-hmm. The exact moment. You, you sign him, and, and that's what you picture um, when you sign him. Him at the plate, big moment, and him, and him coming through. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he, he did all this during the season, but the big moments are when the big players need to shine. Mm-hmm. And, and I do agree um, with the expectations that they had this year, um, kind of how the whole regular season went. Um, just what a disappointing, disappointing end um, to the postseason. Uh, just going in there and just kind of, you know, just falling apart a little bit. So um, unfortunate for the Yankees. Obviously, they're going to be back. They like to spend money. They like to bring players in. But I would say it is definitely a wasted season for what, what they were trying to do and who they brought in to the team. You know, I'm excited for this ALCS. I think that Houston's going to get by Boston. It's going to be a great series. They'll go right down to the wire. I don't think it'll go seven games. I think Houston wins it in six. But I think every game's going to be one or two runs. We decided close in that sense. Houston has just a little bit better roster in every aspect. Hitting, they're better. And starting pitching, better. Just by a little bit in both. But I think that little bit's going to be enough. Right, yeah. Um, this is one of those cases where I just think, you know, it's when you talk about the Milwaukee and, and L.A. series, I, I do think L.A. is just a little bit better of a team. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I just think I just think Milwaukee is just one of those teams that just has that special whatever it is about them. When you talk about Houston and, and Boston, I, I do agree. I just think Houston's the better team. Um, I think, you know, Boston will make it close in those first few games, probably lose a couple close ones, and then I think Houston will probably close it out. Um, you you got to respect Houston. I mean, they're a really good team, you know, been up there the whole season. So um, I do think Houston will move on. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing Houston-Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great matchup. That's what I'm picking. That, that's, that's my pick. I think that, that's mm-hmm. my pick too, yeah. Houston-Milwaukee. Well, that is coming up. It's a great time of the year for baseball. It's a great time of the year for basketball as we get set to tip off the NBA. College will be starting before too long. Big Ten released their preseason all-Big Ten team today. Pretty good contingent from the area schools on there. Michigan had Charles Matthews land on there. And then Ethan Happ, a unanimous selection from Wisconsin. He's one of two unanimous selections, along with Carson Edwards. Looking up and down the rest of this team, you get two from Indiana with Langford and Morgan, one from Maryland with Cohen, a couple of Spartans, Nick Ward and Cassius Winston, uh, James Palmer from Nebraska, and Jordan Murphy from Minnesota. That is the Big Ten all-preseason team. That's a scary list. The Big Ten is going to be loaded as always this year. I don't know if we can pick another favorite. We always seem to say that, but, I mean, who can we pick as a favorite from that conference that stands out? I mean, it's up in the air right now. I think the Big Ten kind of underperformed last season. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Michigan, they made it all the way to the – to the uh, championship game, but they other weren't than the, the second best team in the they, country, though. They weren't. They weren't. And they I, just got hot. Listen, I'm a Michigan fan, right? So you know, I was behind them, and I understood that you know what happened at the easiest schedule, but they they had to do what they had to do. They did their job. And what happened when when they went up in the mm-hmm. championship game? They got beat by a better team. Um, but Charles Matthews coming back, obviously he, he's on the list. I think they're going to be good, but it, it is a scary list. Mm-hmm. You're talking about guys who are really good, those Indiana boys, mm-hmm. really good. Um, you know, the Spartans coming back, oh, Winston's going to be a lot better. He averaged 12.6 points mm-hmm. a game, six, almost seven assists per game, and he shot 50% from the three. You know, the, all these guys can put up numbers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talent. You know, a lot of talent did leave, but a lot of talent coming back. I mean, Hap from Wisconsin, another mm-hmm. guy, um, really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see what, what goes on. I know in the preseason, uh, polls they have, uh, or the power rankings they have, <coughs> excuse me, Michigan State up there, Michigan second, Purdue at three. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Be very interesting to see. You look at a team like Michigan State and a team that had dominated March for how many years in the last couple of years, 
has just not been the case. Tom Izzo is not on any kind of hot seat, and he won't be over at Michigan State. But you start to get a little more uncomfortable if he doesn't pick up at least two tournament wins this year. I just wonder how far he needs to go to keep Michigan State satisfied. Right, and I mean, their expectation is a national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they get these early exits, I mean, last season they just had one of the worst matchup you can even mm-hmm. imagine. Um, I knew that was going to be a loss. I hate to say it, and I, it's not because I'm a Michigan fan. When I saw them get matched up against uh, Syracuse, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's, this is over. It's over. It's the worst matchup. They can't play against his own. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he needs to get some wins. I mean, postseason is where it counts, and it's been a while. They, they got the talent coming in every year. They got the players. They got NBA lottery picks on their team. Um, and sometimes I'm not going to – I hate to say it, Izzo mismanages or doesn't mm-hmm. use them right. I mean, you got all this talent, and, and they're showing it in the NBA. Jaron Jackson, was a, a guy I, I think he mismanaged a little bit and mm-hmm. didn't let him kind of open up and, and shoot and score as much as he should have. Um, so you kind of wonder, you know, I, I'm a Tom Izzo fan, obviously a guy from the UP, mm-hmm. got to represent. Um, but I think he's going to have to start winning some of these postseason games and make, make a run soon just to kind of quiet things down a little bit. I mean, they have the talent this year. Purdue is another team I can see going a long way. I think they're going to have another deep tournament run. I see a Sweet 16 uh, berth for Carson Edwards, Matt Painter, and those guys. How about Indiana? They're a team that kind of flew under the radar last year with Archie Miller. If they play up to their full potential, they could be a team nobody wants to see in March. If they play to their full potential, I think they get as high as a six seed when March comes around. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team that has all the talent. Romeo Langford, I mean, this guy is a projected top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has the potential to be the best player in the nation um, this year. And, uh, you know, if he could lead this team to anything, you know, any sort of high high, high seed in, in a run, I mean, that's that's going to be huge, especially at a, at a school like Indiana. Um, you know, they, they have they have the talent there. Um so I, I just think, I, yeah, I do think that they're going to be one of those teams that is, is a dark horse um, to, to make, a, make some noise, especially when you're bringing in some, some really good talent. Last thing before we sign off, hockey back in the UP this weekend. You've got uh, the reigning national champs from Minnesota Duluth coming to Houghton to take on Tech. And then you've got uh, Northern heading down to Lansing to take on the Spartans. Uh, Tech, they're going to be a good team. There's going to be a battle of two top 20 teams as they take on a – uh, Bulldog team that, frankly, got embarrassed at Mariucci last weekend. They're looking to bounce back after raising their banner last weekend. And then Northern, expectations very high for them this year, higher than they've been uh, in any kind of recent memory. Michigan State haven't been good, but they are still a Big Ten hockey team. And they're a hard-nosed, uh, grounded-out kind of blue-collar hockey team, similar to what Northern is. Uh, but Northern, I think, is a little more crisp, a little bit uh, more style to go with them. I'm glad that hockey's back, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun once we look at it all. And the Big Ten, there's been so much speculation over who's going who's gonna to be the power there. Ohio State is ranked number one in the country for the first time ever. Uh, Michigan, you know, a Wolverine fan, they look like they're going to have another good year. Uh, Notre Dame lost a lot, but they're still defending runner-ups. I mean, where does this Big Ten shake out for you? It's so deep where Minnesota and Penn State, are going to be battling for number five, and those could both be tournament teams. Right. I mean, I'm I'm just super excited about it. Um, you know, I love the parity that we have um, when you talk about the Big Ten and things like that, um, where at any given night a team could could win and things like that. I think it's good for hockey. Um, I'm not happy Ohio State's up there like that. I'm I just despise Ohio State. If you're an Ohio State fan out there, I'm. I, I I don't like you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just saying that right now. Um, go blue, baby. And uh, yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, I'm really excited for this this Michigan Tech and NMU season. Mm-hmm. I know you weren't here last season to witness uh, one of the best seasons that Northern has ever had mm-hmm. under Grant Petulney. Um But I mean, they were just so fun to watch. They were they were competing with teams, you know, big name teams, and, and had players getting accolades and things like that. They return a lot of talent, so I'm really interested to see how how they're going to go. I think this game against uh, State is going to be is going to be interesting. We're going to see how that kind of goes. But um, you know, Pudulny getting that extension, I think he's brought a buzz now. 
Um, I've been waiting for this since their season uh, ended prematurely against mm-hmm. against Michigan Tech. Not taking anything away from Tech, I just thought it was Northern's year, and and I might be just saying this because I went to Northern, but I you know I was just pumped for for Northern um, last season. So it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, I just like how he has the guys flying up and down the down the ice and things like that, and the way they, they like to play. It's really flashy, and, and I like it. It's it's a change of pace. Um, but Tech always solid. They're never a program that kind of has down years. They're always really good, so they're going to be interesting to watch as well. Um, just really good hockey. Obviously, it's the UP um, up here. You know, hockey's everything. And then, um, like I said, with the parody in the Big Ten, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. It's, 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 it's a good time. Jake, as always, thanks so much for stopping in. Look forward to having you again next Thursday. Thanks for having me, man. As Jake Duran of CBS Marquette, we're out of time. Uh, once again, we appreciate you being with us. Hope that you tune in tomorrow. Same time and place, ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app here at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. Signing off from ESPN Studios, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette, I'm Tanner Hoops. Enjoy the Will Kane Show.